January 19th, 2022. Let's talk this morning about a person, not so theoretically, uh, but a person is uh, on business or even on vacation and not together with a larger community that they're familiar with. And they have to pray together with a congregation who are a different nosah, who have different minhagim. Alternatively, in my lifetime, it was uh, studying in Ashkenazic yeshivot for many years. The question is, in those circumstances, how should you pray? Now, I refer to, first and foremost, what sidur should you be using? Should you be using the sidur of the kahal? Uh, furthermore, the public matters. If you're saying tahanuns, I remember early on my first year studying in Israel, I asked Hacham Yaakov Yosef, Alav Hashalam, that's the son of Hacham Ovadia Yosef. I was saying Selichot in Elul in Bet Knesset Shoshanim Le David. He was praying there. He prayed there very often. And after the Minyan, I asked him this question. I said, I'm praying with Ashkenazim on a daily basis in the yeshiva. What should I do with regards to Tahanun? They don't do Vidui, they don't do Yagmidot as we do, Vayavor. They do it completely differently. Assuming that I was going to pray with the yeshiva, which I did, what am I supposed to do with regards to the tefillah? Am I supposed to change my tefillah? What about kedushah, where on Shabbat we say keter and musaf, and they don't? On weekdays, even, we say naktishach, uh, they have a different nosach to it. What about standing up for, ta- for Kaddish or sitting down for Kaddish? Many of these, what about on. What's that? will be in the Sidur. That's the first question I was asking. Now I'm talking about other matters. Uh, what about uh, with regards to shaking lulav and etrog? There's different minhagim. Even among svaradim, once in a while, you'll see different minhagim. Are you supposed to go based on the kahal that you're at? Are you supposed to go based on your minhagim? Now, we're not just addressing a matter which is, I don't know, a nicer thing to do, it would appear at first glance, because the hachamim in source number two in Masechet Yevamot have a derasha which seems to be their interpretation to the pasuk in terms of this being a biblical command or violation, prohibition, the pasuk in source number one in Parashat Re'eh has the following statement, Banim atem HaKadosh Baruch Hu first and foremost refers to us as his sons, as his children. Lo titgodedu velo tasimu korcha ben enechem lamet. Says the pasuk, you should not be mitgoded. We'll have to define that word because that will be our Keyword says, furthermore, don't put korha, don't uh, bold yourself in between your eyes. Of course, this is the pasuk wherein the, from which the hachamim understand that tefillin is not literally in between your eyes. If that would be the case, who's, unless you have a strong unibrow, you're not really talking about bolding yourself in between your eyes. You're referring to the place on your forehead, above your forehead, in between your eyes. But you're not supposed to, when a person passes away, or it's prohibited, it's asur, to bold yourself over there, to pull out the hairs, or to, to scalp yourself in one way or another. Why would you not be allowed to? Why would you do so? You would do so, that's the way the nations of the world used to do. Why would you not be allowed to be uh, to do so? Exactly for that reason. It was darkeha emori, this is the way of the ovdeh avodah zara. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're not, my banim. We have different ways. So first and foremost, working backwards, Lamet on a, the passing of a person, don't scalp yourself on your forehead in between your eyes, which is the way they would do. But furthermore, which would also be on met, 
but will be a violation in general, and that's you're not allowed to put scratches onto your body. They would scratch their body in a painful, sorrowful, agonizing fashion in order to bring forth their ways of mourning and their ways of acting. And says God to us, not allowed to do so. So what does that have to do with us? Well, I'm not talking about Sfaradim and Ashkenazim, not turning the Ashkenazim or Sfaradim by extension into Imorim, into the Avodah What does it have to do for, for, with us? The Gemara and Masechet Yevamot here in source number two in Daf Yod Gimal going into Daf Yod Dalit has a derasha. The Chachamim, instead of just interpreting this Pasuk of Lotit Godidu, these words as uh, the scratches on your body, the uh, way that you're painting yourself and causing uh, a- 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 agony. Uh, they furthermore suggest it should be read as lo ta'asu agudot agudot. Now the word aguda we might know, although we might refer to it as aguda, right? When there's the siyum hashas, it's the aguda, agudat Israel. What does it mean to be an aguda? What's an eged? Eged we know as well from the context of lulav and etrog. Lulav sarich eged means that it's supposed to be tied together. Aguda means a group. So lo ta'asu agudot agudot, interpret hachamim, the isur in the Torah is not only the ways of the Ovdei Avodah Zarah, but it extends further, don't segment yourself. Don't segment yourself, we're in a lot of trouble. We not only have Swaradim and Ashkenazim, we have Moroccans and Yemenites and Syrians and Lebanese and so forth, and we have Ashkenazim, uh, Lithuanians and Hasidim, and so how are we going to have to square that? Well, not so simple to just state it uh, clearly initially, and as a result, you should know historically, it's a separate and important conversation, when we resettled Eres Israel, Medinat Israel, in the mid-20th century, there was a strong push, of course there was the counter push, uh, to bring forth Ehud. Ehud Israel, let's unify everything. Let's have one Nosach, let's have one Kitab, let's bring everyone together. Ideally, that's the way it's supposed to be. We're not necessarily, or should not be, fractured. I mean, my favorite part about that is that they didn't really pull much of that off because walk into Israel today, walk outside of Israel today, there's always different kilot with different minhagim. There is allegedly two things that they agree to. One is the Kitab. In Israel, if you go today, everyone writes in the way historically the Ashkenazim wrote. That's the cursive. It's the way that we were taught in school as well. Historically, that's the Ashkenazi way, whereas Svaradim had what's called Hatzikulmus, a different way of writing, which most people don't even know how to read today, let alone write, uh, even Svaradim and even rabbis. Uh, so the Ashkenazim, uh, so to speak, won on that one. But if you talk to an Israeli today, they don't talk the way my grandfather from my mother's side spoke. They don't have Havara Ashkenazis. They don't, uh, they speak like a Svaradi. Of course, it's the Israeli flavor of Svaradi. Whenever I get into a cab in Israel, they know right away I'm Halabi. In other words, it's a bit different. But ultimately speaking, it's Sephardic in terms of its Middle Eastern ways to it. And the classic line is that the Svaradim were very happy with that, uh, with that compromise because they said, Hakol kol Yaakov, we got the way you speak. So the Ashkenazim got the way you write. We're okay with that. Uh, but that's the way it is. But uh, you know, there were debates. There were hot debates early on. For example, Hacham Vadya Yosef went down in the Bedin and Petah Tikva very strongly opposing what was then accepted by the Sephardic chief rabbinate. And that was whether in a situation, we talked about this in the Gemara class yesterday, in a situation where a, a man and woman are married to one another, and the man passes away without a son, without children, in that circumstance, the woman, technically speaking, according to the Torah, is supposed to have a leveret marriage, supposed to do yibum to the brother of that man. 
to the extent that al pidin de gemara, din Torah, the man can force her into it. Is that relevant today? So it's a mahlokit in the Gemara, whether that's relevant today in terms of the ideal, that you could do it, you could do it. Is that ideal? It's mahlokit tanaim in the Gemara. It's mahlokit shohan aruch and rama. They have a dispute about what's ideal today. We're talking about post-Gemara, but the Gemara, the Mishnah already is dealing with this. Shohan aruch says, yibum kodem lahalita. Rama, v'ashkenazim, b'moshe Yisrael says, halita kodemet. So what's the halakha ma'aseh? I don't know. I mean, I don't know many people, thankfully, who were in that situation, but I've never heard in the last 50 years of anyone doing yibum. We'd all raise our eyebrows if we heard about Hacham Vadya Yosef fought against this. He said to the chief rabbinate at the time, he said, how could you have submitted to the Ashkenazim on this? We follow Maran. And he deals with a specific case where he's fighting and he's telling that the woman should get married or should get to do yibum together with the brother of the deceased original husband, that's his strong opinion on us. Not this ihud kihilot that everybody's saying. If it's ihud kihilot, if we're going to come together, of course we're going to do it right, said Chacham Vadya, and we'll do it like the Svaradim, that's Atred the Maran Eres Yisrael. That all being the case, says the Gemara, that's the Isur of Lotit Godedu, Lotasu Agudot Agudot. How and when is that relevant? So the Gemara in the second paragraph has two opinions. First the opinion of Abaye, and then the opinion of Rabbah. Says the Gemara, Amar Abaye ki amrinan lotit godedu kigon. For example, what when would this be relevant? Shete bate dinim biir ahat halal morim kidivre betchamai valal morim kidivre betilal val shete bate dinim b'shte ayarot letlanba. Says Abaye, here's how it works. If you're dealing with two separate cities, call it hadiyase kimin hago. Two separate cities. If it's Two separate states, New York and New Jersey, let one do Kibet uh, and the other one Kibet Shammai. If it's in the same city, one Bet Din, that's an important word, which literally means court, but we're talking about practice, what's, what's emanating from that court, says Kibet and the other one says Kibet Shammai, we'll use our vernacular. One says Ashkenazic, and the other one says Sephardic, that's a problem. Abaye would not, it appears that the easiest reading of Abaye would not be very happy with our current state of affairs because every city has a lot more than two bate dinim. It's got, I don't know, tens of bate dinim, tens of different uh, kihilot following different uh, halachot. Okay, but that's the first opinion. Second opinion, we generally follow Rava, Ela Amar Rava, three lines from the, from, from the beginning of this paragraph, Ki Amrinan Lotit Kodidu Kigon Bedin Be'ir Ahat. Says Rava, the way Lotit Kodidu works is specifically in one city. Of course, city is hard to define as well. And there's one Bedin, and they're split. So it means, imagine it in the vernacular, you walk into the synagogue, half are doing Ashkenazic, and half are doing Sephardic. Well, that's, that's the case for Rava. A lot easier to handle Rava, although it might be relevant in today's day and age if you're walking into that synagogue and you're doing differently. But when it, all the dust settles, generally speaking, we follow Rava. We've said this in the Gemara many times. Generally speaking, the Halakha is like Rava, except for six notable exceptions. You'd imagine a lot easier here in terms of our current uh, reality. Uh, that all being the case, of course, you have to take a giant step back and ask whether all the questions that I addressed at the beginning are at all relevant to this Gemara. Because this Gemara is talking about halakha, it appears. 
And halacha is not what we're discussing when we talk about standing or sitting for Kaddish, when we talk about how to wave the lulav, when we talk about the specific words for Kiddushah. All of those are what we would call minhag. The question is, with regards to minhag, does this isur of lotit kodadu, an isur from the Torah, is that relevant? So I said, but minhag is not, uh, has nothing to do with the halachot from the Torah per se. It's not God's word. That might be true, but God says, lotit kodadu. Another, in order to analyze that, you really have to ask the following question. That is, what's the reasoning for this? Why can't we have, uh, let's have a billion practices. Let each person do according to their thought and approach and, and feelings. Why is there any issue of lotit kodidu? Rashi in the Gemarat Masechet Yevamot writes, Shelo yiru kishte torot. He says, if different people are doing different things in different circumstances, it'll appear wrong. It'll appear as if we have two torot. We certainly don't. Our, our, uh, our, our neighbors of different religions claim that we have two Torah. We have one Torah, and as a result, it looks wrong if we're doing differently. That's Rashi's take. Alternatively, it's just, It's so that we don't have more splits and fractures. That's the other way of understanding this. Okay, so that's really what we're up against. What we're up against is this issue of lotit kodidu, the question is whether it's relevant to minhagim, first and foremost. And secondly, the question will be, uh, how and when would it take effect if I'm in one kihila and I'm frequenting or even just once in a while there, how am I supposed to practice? All right, that's, that's our backdrop. So that the way you, you step forward into this is to understand the interpretations to the Gemara. Harambam in source number three in Perik Yodbet of Hilchot Avodah Zarah and Halacha Yodalit. Now, of course, it's in Hilchot Avodah Zarah. That makes a lot of sense. He started by saying in Halacha Yodgimal that you should know the Yisur from the Torah Avodah Zarah ways is harming your body. That much I understand. Then he says, Ubichlal Azarazo, part of this biblical from the Torah, God's violation. He's telling you Shiloyu Shene Bate Dinim Bi'irahat. Says Arambam, you should not have two bate dinim, two courts, in one city. That's the opinion of Abaye. That's a little surprising. Everybody's a little bit nervous. Why is Haram Bam going with Abaye? Not fully clear, but the most critical lines for us are Every word in Haram Bam, every word that anyone writes is important, but certainly in the words of Haram Bam, He's talking about Minhagim. He's not talking about Isurim. He's not talking about clear-cut halachot. He's talking about minhagim. Says Harambam, you can't have, I mean, listen to the words. I mean, I, this, this will be very, I mean, people do try to wiggle out of this, but Harambam, you'd imagine, would raise his eyebrows and maybe yell a little bit if he saw our current reality. He says in one city, Tubate Dinim is a problem, which means to say Sephardic and Ashkenazic in one city is a problem. I'm not talking about in one synagogue. That's the way we might address it, the way we will address it. That's already fascinating. Um, the second and more important part for us is the fact that he's talking about minhagim. Why is Haram Bam talking about minhagim? The answer is his understanding, although it's a difficult sell, because there are words in the middle of the Gemara, which we didn't specifically read, that lead us perhaps in a different direction. Says Haram Bam, this is relevant even to minhagim. 
That means to say, bring us back to our initial question, you'd have to imagine at this juncture that Harambam would tell you if you walked into the Chabad, what are you supposed to do? Anything and everything that the majority is doing. You don't have the right to do any differently. What does that mean? It means you picked up the Chabad Sidur. That's what it appears from Harambam. It means that everything you said and everything you're going to say, you should not be doing differently. Says Harambam, what's the reason? That was one of the reasons we mentioned earlier. You don't want to lead to dispute to quarrels to fights over this over any of these sorts of matters it is interesting that Harambam is very particular in using the word similar to the Gemara of Bate Dinim as he talking specifically about courts there's a debate about that as well which means that maybe our synagogues would be different and he's talking specifically about courts in some way but the most critical words for us is that Harambam is inclusive even with Minhagim now he is not the only opinion on that although Harambam's opinion is always very important anytime you're determining Halakha and it already, again, I'm telling you, it should get the wheels churning in your mind with regards to, I'm walking into a Chabad synagogue, what am I supposed to do? You have to say to yourself, Harambam wants me picking up, I he doesn't want me doesn't want me in the synagogue in the first place that synagogue but it was once you're there sounds like he wants you picking up their sidur he wants you praying exactly their nosach along the same lines in source number five in Shohan Aruch or Hayim Siman Taft Sadi Gimal Sa'if Gimal Ramar B. Moshe Yisrael is talking about different minhagim with regards to haircuts during the Omer time period that's an interesting question. You can have that within within one kihila, right? He's talking about different kihilot, but we certainly have it in our kihila. Look around; different people do different things. Certainly, the Egyptians do different than the Syrians, but even the Syrians do differently. Uh, you know, so, yeah. Even within families, Syrians do differently. Anyway, says uh, says Rama in the in the last in the second to last line here in source number five. <speaking in Hebrew> Now again, this is very much a minhag. This is not even mentioned in the Gemara, not shaving or, or taking haircuts during the Omer. This comes from the time of the Geonim. That's okay. That's, that's something we we hold on to very tightly, the halachot and the minhagim with regards to anything from the Geonim. But this is a minhag par excellence. You're not reading into the Torah. You're not even reading into Divrei Hachamim and Mishnah or Talmud. And nonetheless, his statement is, in one city, you should not have different customs with regards to haircuts. That's what he's telling you. With regards to haircuts in the Omer, Minhag! It's not Minhag! If you're to follow this to its full uh, end, to its absolute end, and straight, uh, straight direction, he would be telling you as well, it appears that you can't or should not change the nosah of the rov of the majority of whatever synagogue, whatever circumstance you're in. And that would extend to anything and everything else. Before you get too nervous, I will tell you, I used to very much enjoy when I studied in yeshiva. So I don't know who used to buy it, but sometimes I used to bring the, uh, the Haredi uh, newspaper before Shabbat. It was always exciting to look at it because it had pictures of all the rabbis from all over Israel and America and all sorts of things like that. But you'd always Seen, see if there was ever an event which had Hacham Vadiyah Yosef together with Ashkenazim and for some reason they love taking this picture it makes sense why uh, because he would stand out it would be Kaddish the whole day this would be standing up and he'd be sitting down so clearly if you know if you're getting nervous already that we're going to be going to some extreme or, or, or another and you haven't done it that way in the past Rest assured, Chacham Vadya Yosef would certainly, not only with regards to asylum prayers, and we'll get to why and how he would argue, so he'd be very intent, and I think he was making a point. In other words,
which you could stand up, you could uh, do the public things, as we'll discuss, like the Ashkenazim or the Svadim. But he was very strong on this. He'd be the only one. I saw this. I saw it on more than one occasion at uh, at the Siyum Hashas in Israel that he was at. I remember that we did Kaddish. I was excited for this. I had seen it in the pictures. He was sitting down. The entire room, maybe not his students, but the entire room, it felt like was standing up. All right. Well, that all being the case, these are the two major opinions on this matter that Lotit Kodedu applies even to Minhagim. Magen Abraham, who's a major commentator on Shohan Aruch or Hayim here in source number six, says if you read the Gemara carefully, the Gemara that we cited in source number two, the lines that we that we glided over for, for, for our class today, he says it seems a little bit differently. He doesn't want to necessarily disagree with Ramah, with Rambam, but he quotes other Mefarshim to support himself, Rosh and others. He says, Minhagim, uh, you don't have lot it go to do. This issue of not having mahloket, this issue of having it look like two, ki- two Torahs, doesn't apply to minhagim. It might apply, you interpret the halakha, that that food is, uh, is kosher, and this, I hold it's not, and we're now practicing differently. Okay, that's where it does apply. To minhagim, vis-a-vis, the context of tefillah and, and the like, says Magir Abraham, who's a major and important commentator in Shohan Aruch, a Polish one that lived uh, several hundred years ago. He says it would not apply to minhagim. All right, well, moving ourselves forward from s- several hundred years ago to about 150 or so years ago, Keterosh, Keterosh, is a book written about the practices and the instructions of a student of Gaon Mivilna Rabbi Haim of Valajan and Kete Rosh Ot Lamedzain. It says that he would instruct his students and he was very steadfast on the following. If you're praying in a kehilah, in, in a synagogue with a congregation that has a different nosach than yours, guess what you do? Put down your sidur and use their sidur. If there's my words now, if they're standing for Kaddish, stand up for Kaddish. If they're saying X, you say X. You have to do it. Hatefilah v'hanoshaot v'hanhagot. It should say hadin lelech ahar harov. Number one, lo titko dedu. This is number one. It's an isur potentially from the Torah. Lo titko dedu even here. Number two, he says mi piruta minhag naasa piruta levavot. He says let's just talk practically. He didn't know our generation. He didn't know our era. He was living in a, a shtetl called Velazhin long ago in a time period during which he met very few. But he says, you're going to come in contact with other people, you're going to do different things, it's going to lead to division, to divisiveness, it's not worth it, it's not appropriate. He says that that is the way he would tell you. It says here that he told one of his students, Rabbi Yaakov of Navardic, to change according to the kihilah he was a part of in uh, in the book Pe'at Shulchan, that's a student of Gaon Mivilna. The students of Gaon Mivilna, I've mentioned this on more than one occasion, because I, li- I like this very much as, as a historical fact, is Gaon Mivilna lives in 18 century and uh, it's a time period during which we don't have much of a settlement of the land of Israel and in today's day and age you wouldn't associate the early Zionists with Gaon Vilna. you'd probably say <clears throat> it was the early 20th century when we started that he was a steadfast and ardent Zionist and many of his students went up to Israel now it happens to be the descendants or those who claim maybe they are the descendants are the ones who live in Me'ashiarim today who very much vow against the state of Israel but they were there first, for all intents and purposes. They've been there for several hundred years. So he had one of his students, his name, and so at the same time there were Hasidic uh, Ashkenazim also making their way to Israel. The Svaradim were stuck a little bit more. We were a lot more comfortable I guess in our lands. Weren't as much immigrating to Israel. But anyway, so you had, so 
actually have his students. One of his students, his name was Rabbi Yisrael of Shklov. He wrote a book called Pe'at HaShulchan. In there he says, in Yerushalayim, in Eretz Yisrael, we follow the minhag of the Bet Knesset. We have our Batei Knesset, but if you go into another one, you follow their minhag. It's very much in line with what appears to be the Gaon Mivilna and his students approach this matter. We follow, because of Lotit Kodidu, we won't change our minhag. We can establish our own places. Minhag Yerushalayim, many of the minhagim, both amongst Ashkenazim, but even amongst Faradim, are based on Gaon Mivilna. There are specific things that are done because of the way they establish it. So yes, they're smiling and saying, we're going to follow what everyone else is doing. At the same time, they're taking strength. They're taking control of, of the area, certainly of Yerushalayim. But anyway, that's the, that's the halacha. So certainly, again, I bring you back to our issue. All it's, it's easy. It's open and shut. You just have to follow whatever kihila you're in for anything and everything. Uh, it gets a little bit more nuanced with a student of Rabbi Hayim of Volozhin, still in the Ashkenazic world, still in Volozhin Yeshiva, Nitziva Volozhin. Nitziva Volozhin's name was Rabbi Naftali Tzivi Yehuda Berlin. He wrote Sheilot Teshbot Meshiv Davar. He's better known for his commentary to the Torah, Ha'amek Davar. He's perhaps best known today for one reason or another. His student who became a maskil, who went off the Torah path, Chaim Nachman Bialik, wrote a famous story about him. It was called Hamatmid. Remember, they, they used to teach it in Flappish. They used to teach it in Flappish, but they didn't really give you the whole context. Here I was, I was, uh, I was a yeshiva boy in yeshiva Flappish, so I called out my teacher. So how could we be reading this? It's disparaging of Talmud Torah and so forth, which it's not really. He has a longing for the world he left. He has critique of it at the same time. Anyway, I don't think they teach it any longer. So it's about, it's his student writing about him. Rabbi Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin was asked. He says, Be'inyan tefilot in Siman Yodzayin, Be'inyan tefilot the place where he's being written to from, they say that the Nosach is Nosach Sfarad, not exactly Sfaradi as we know, more along the Hasidic lines of Nosach, Arizal, and so forth. As it says there's Ashkenazim, though, who are praying in those. That's the question. The question is, how should we practice with regards to prayer uh, when we are Ashkenazim praying in a place of Nosah Sefarad? That was the question that was posed to him. He, he distinguished as follows. He said, when it's a matter that's said Bikol Ram, when it's something that's blatant and out loud, you have to follow the Kehillah. Even Amin Hagim. So it means to say, Keter, if you're with Svaradim, it means to say, what are the Ashkenazim? I can't believe I forgot. What did Ashkenazim say during most? I can't, you're very proud of that. I can't believe I forgot. Ashkenazim say something else. They have a diff- different words for Musaf and Shabbat. What? <coughs> Starts with like Tishach? I don't know. <coughs> Do they? There you go. There you go. So then you should be saying, but they never say, they say Na'aritzcha. But anyway, so the Na'aritzcha. The point is, you should follow in all practices when it's blatant. He would extend that, I imagine, to the Ni'anu'im of the Lulav as well. You follow when in Rome, they practice the way the Rome, Romans do it. But. So Nitziva Velazhin would certainly say Kaddish would follow suit. There's no question. He says we distinguish between things that are blatant and out loud and things that are silent. That's his distinction, and that's how we stand strong and steadfast on this matter. He says, Lotit Kodidu is leading to division. Whatever you say to yourself, okay. If it's a matter, and this might be what Gabe's asking, that I could say to myself, but you know, generally speaking, it's said out loud, like Kaddish. Well, it's Kaddish. If you're saying Kaddish, you could say it to yourself. Other people say it out loud. You said it a little bit lower. Right? You, you have your 
We have this all the time. God looks at the sermon. Yeah, yeah. And the voice comes. And the question. The funny no, part about this is a wonderful question, but the funniest part about it is if you're praying in a Chabad, you don't have that issue. Because Chabad, they follow no sefarad. They say, But you're right. If you're in a young Israel, if you're in a Aguda, for all intents and purposes, and what's that? They say, instead of Amen. The answer is, Nitziv would tell you, as will Rabbi Moshe Feinstein and several other strong Ashkenazic poskim, that you should follow when it's matters that are said out loud, including Berichu and Amen, including the Kaddish, you should follow what the Kihilah does. And you, not only should you, you must. He would also say to stand. He would no per public to see. No question. That's that's the that's the distinction. Why would you distinguish? In other words, why why would you distinguish between words or practice when it comes down to it? His claim is He says It's out loud. Maybe he'll tell me it doesn't apply to minagim. He says, "What are you talking about, harambam? I know there's mahlok, but harambam says it applies even to minagim. It's a humrah, but that's his statement." Rabbi Moshe Feinstein followed in those ways. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, of course, dies in 1986, if I'm not mistaken, Lower East Side of Manhattan, the latter half of his life. He writes the Shailot Tishubot Igerot Moshe, and in his Shailot Tishubot Igerot Moshe, he has in several places, because he then has to clarify himself and then explain himself and then determine the nuances. Ultimately speaking, when all the dust settles, here's this Pesach Halacha. If it's something that's said out loud, you should be saying it like the Kihila. Wait a second. Uh, not only is it not practical, it's very hard to define. Oh, it's, it's, so he starts off, and he seems to, in one of his earlier Tishabot, seems to be talking about maybe the Kedushah. And then he was asked in that Tishubah, he says, what about Psuket de Zimra? If anyone's ever been to an Ash... Like I said, I don't know, everybody's got their own sins. If you've ever been to an Ashkenazic synagogue, Psuket de Zimra is said out loud. It's, it's, sometimes it's... Uh, not all. Uh, sometimes it's very distracting. It was, you walk into a shtibble, walk into Avenue L and the East Day. As a kid, I used to... Okay, I lived on East 4th and MNN. I would wake up very late on Sundays at times. There was a time in my life where I slept a little. Anyway, I would wake up and I would go pray. But, you know, you'd be surprised by which Syrian rabbis I would... I would see from time to time at the 9.30 uh, minion in Landau's. But anyway, so uh, that as, as I would pray that you didn't know what was going on, because everyone was saying it out loud. So Moshe Feinstein said, I'm not certain. Is that considered out loud or not? Ultimately speaking, in his Teshubah, he says, I'll tell you, I think you have to include everything except for Amidah. Everything except Amidah. That's pretty much what he says in source number 10 here in Shelot Shwal Igerot Moshe Siman Koftal and Halek Bet. He named Var Mashinik Manikrad Varim Shibakol Ram. Everything except for that's the Amidah, Why? Because it's prevalent that people will say it out loud, he goes further. He says, the Hachamim instruct us to pray out loud. It helps your Kavanah. So he says, I'm going to tell you, you should be praying out loud. And as a result, even if you're not, do it the way the Sibur is doing. That's a strong opinion. Again, it's less than Gaon Mivilna. It's less than our earlier sources who are on one end of the spectrum. The earlier sources we saw will tell you, even in the Tefilat Amidah, pick up the Sidur of the Kahal. 
Talk about not practical, okay? But I mean, that's very uncomfortable. Certainly for me, if I'm all that sort of stuff. I mean, everything is going to be very different. You're going to have to go by their words on anything and everything. Not so simple. So as Rav Moshe finds it, all right, on most matters, you should do it their way, which includes, of course, standing up, includes Ni'anuim, includes Tahanun, everything, uh, just not on the Amida. That's, uh, that's quiet. Is there a way, uh, is there a different way? Or perhaps uh, those who have been uh, praying in Chabad's are doing it wrong. So very briefly, just to make the case the other way and to end with the other end of the spectrum, which is First and foremost, Hatam Sofer here in source number 11. Hatam Sofer was an important Ashkenazic Hungarian rabbi from Pressburg. His Teshubot are very important. Um, he's talking about a similar circumstance. It would have been nice to read it and laugh at, but I'll just very briefly tell you. There was a Kahal in which there was a Sephardic, which probably means Nosach Sefarad again, and Ashkenazic Kehilot. They so much wanted to be separated, they made excommunications amongst themselves that you're not allowed to pray in the other synagogues. They wanted to strengthen themselves. And if you pray in the other one, you're going to be actually going to have Hirim. That was their agreement amongst one another. But the Sephardic synagogue, or the Nosach Sefarad, became depleted to the extent that they didn't have a Minyan. And now the issue is, are they allowed to merge? Is there a Hirim in place? And so forth. So ultimately speaking, when all the matters are dealt with, and he does it somewhat briefly, he suggests that you should distinguish between whether something is done and something's done which means to say is this a matter are you praying there every single day praying there every single day his opinion is you can't act differently you're just visiting you're there for a few days you're there for a day you're there for a week and a half in that circumstance his seemingly clear opinion is forget about kol ram or belachash or anything the halakha is it's permitted which makes a lot of sense it's permitted to follow your custom it makes a lot of sense because come back to the point of this isur the isur is tutorot nobody says because there's a guest over here wow he's doing differently than us there must be tutoras out there nobody says he's trying to make mahloket nobody looks at this and says this is going to cause a mahloket it's ba'akrai ba'umah it's already an important vantage point for understanding a difference between what the rabbis are talking about and what we're talking about. Furthermore, trekking forward on this matter, that's he talking initially, talking initially about the Yagmidot, the Vayavor that we have as Faradim on a daily basis, the Vidui, and he has the following compromise. Now it's hard to argue that he's saying this al pi halacha as much as he's saying it al pi musar and nimus. In other words, he's doing this as the appropriate way. He says you should do it as a Svaradi. You're in an Ashkenazic synagogue and you're saying tahanun. He said just do it sitting down and keep quiet as you do it. So he's kind of giving a validity to the out loud and the uh, call it the. Uh, the, the spirit of the law, don't cause mahlok, but try to keep it quiet. Of course, you have to say the yod gimal midot with ta'amim and the full pasuk. He says, but say it sitting down, do, don't, uh, don't uh, tap your, your heart as you do so, don't call attention. Follow the way it appears they're doing. Uh, to what extent? Well, to, to Kaddish extent, and here's the Gabe question, source number 13, he's asked about Kaddish, you're Svaradi. And they're not saying, and they speak differently. Side point. Speaking is, no, speaking was never our issue over here. We're really just talking about the words specifically, but we can add speaking as well. Should you be speaking like them? Slash or plus, should you be using their identical words? Says, says uh, usually not. Usually do it your way. Sometimes like them. Hard to 
slice it exactly. But he says, That's part of our nosach. He says, Where we do it very differently. They just have it shorter to try to do it their way. How steadfast is he on this? Well, he does want, and we, I, I very much understand what he's saying. I'll tell you on my own, because I, I, I told you I know where we're going with this, but I'll tell you on my own, in terms of my own comfort, if I'm in a kihilah, even Ashkenazic, or even Sephardic, where everybody's standing up, even though I know my minhag for hazarat hashaz, even though I know my, my minhag is to sit down, I feel more comfortable sitting down. I, excuse me, standing up. I feel more comfortable not standing out. So I think that's more than anything what he's trying to push forward. But what about Chacham Vadya Yosef, who has on this matter a real systematic approach to this, as he generally does. But keep in mind, there was no one driving force over here for good reason. We weren't together for hundreds and thousands of years. We didn't have Brooklyn. We didn't have Israel as we have it today. We didn't have melting pots of Judaism. We had the Middle East and we had the Eastern and Western European cities. You didn't have everyone coming together. You didn't have intermingling. So this is a, somewhat of a new issue in the last 150, 200 years of mobility, of, of Jewish opportunity of moving around. Anyway, that's, that's why you don't really have tradition on this. Was asked by Sfaradim, Sephardic boys studying in Hebron Yeshiva. They asked during the three weeks, uh, during Ben Amisarim, should they not be shaving? Ashkenazim won't shave during that time period. Should they not shave? Says Yosef, of course you should shave. You want to not shave? It's okay, but of course you should shave. I remember coming back from Israel, it was the three weeks. I went to a shiva. I remember it was Natman's shiva. I just, uh, I was a yeshiva boy. I didn't shave. Well, today I guess I don't either, but I didn't shave. So I looked sloppy. I saw Rabbi Prague from high school. I said, What are you not shaving like the Ashkenazim? You're with Syrians. What are you, what are you doing? I said, no. Anyway, uh, but uh, so his, his argument is first and foremost, and it's important to just very quickly articulate because you'll be able to relate to all the points. First and foremost, minhag. Minhag, do we say lotit kodidu or not? It was our first issue in this class. Not so simple. Harambam certainly said yes. Ramah said yes, but there's a whole slew of Rishonim and Poskim who say on a minhag, not an isur, there's no isur, there's no issue of lotit kodidu. Furthermore, he says, you should know that uh, in our circumstance, we're dealing with a matter which everybody knows about. You're no longer dealing with a minhag, some do this way and some do that way, I never heard of that way. It's Faradim and Ashkenazim. It's Faradim and Ashkenazim. Nobody looks at you and says it's a different Torah. Nobody looks at you and says you're bringing mahlok. It's Faradim and Ashkenazim. We no longer have such a reality of arguing that lotit kodidu is in any way relevant to Faradim and Ashkenazim. Lastly, he says you should know the Yisur of lotit kodidu might be specifically when you tell others what to do. I do it this way and I tell you to do it that way. That causes friction. Uh, friction. That causes uh, separation. That's where the Isur applies. Therefore, he says to the yeshiva boys learning in Hebron, you want to not shave? Maybe. But he says, you certainly can be to the extent that he says, if you want to be a Hazan and you're a Svaradi and the Kihila is Ashkenazim and they're okay with you reading it your way and doing it your way, do it that way. He says, the words out loud to yourself, the sitting, the Ni'anuim and so forth, if you're dealing with Minhag, Svaradi, Ashkenazi, there is no issue of lotit kodidu. Piecing everything together, we really saw three ends of the three points on the spectrum. We saw those who argued lotit kodidu on minhagim to the extent that you have to on everything do it the way the kihilah is doing it. We saw it in the middle. Well, there's a difference, and this is the prevalent minhag amongst many, although I'm arguing it doesn't need to be. It depends on whether it's out loud and blatant or to yourself. 
you could do that for reasons of comfort. You could do that in terms of standing and sitting in terms, in terms of the Kaddish if you want to be quieter. If you want to, that should be Moshe Feinstein, that's Nitziv and so forth. And lastly, we saw Hacham Vadia Yosef and Ham Ben Ziona Bashaul is, is along the same lines. He's just a little bit more sensitive in terms of perception, in terms of feelings on this matter. He says if we're dealing from a halachic angle, there's enough and sufficient reasons and support to argue that the Minhagim of Svaradim and Ashkenazim would not pose any issue of Lotit Godedusafir. Svaradi, visiting a Chabad, your Chabad, visiting us, you can and should practice Kimin both with regards to Kaddish as, as well as with regards to Yagmidot and so forth. Bring you back to that conversation with Chacham Yaakov Yosef, Alav Hashem, it's exactly what he told me. He said, Be proud about it, do the Yagmidot, do the, uh, the, the Vidui, as you've always done it, sit down, don't put your hand on your arm and so forth. He says, That's the Pesach Halacha of my father. And in turn, I will tell you that is a Pesach Halacha, which is strong, valid, and should be followed. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.